Thank you for everyone who is out there listening to our podcast. Today we have Sister Norma Pimentel with us. I know a lot of you know her, if not everybody knows her, and I'm excited to have her here as a guest. I want to hear from her. We all want to hear from her, her life story, her struggles, successes, and so forth. So thank you so much, Sister Norma, for being with us. Thank you for inviting me to join you, to be here with you. Awesome. Thank you. And again, I, I'm excited. Again, I'm excited because I see you here, I see you there, I see you everywhere. I see you doing a lot of things in the community. And I want to know what drives Sister Norma. So tell us first, you know, tell us about your childhood. Oh, wow. My childhood. Well, um, I, um, I grew up in the two cities, Matamoros, Brownsville. I actually was born in Brownsville, but my dad was kind of always had this... Uh, eager desire to move to the United States and to uh, live here. And then uh, that was before, you know, I was actually born. And then uh, we, I was born and he moves back to Mexico and then moves back again to the U.S. And uh, we kind of had this uh, both cultures part of who we were because it was, we were so interconnected for us, you know, being uh, Mexico, being in the U.S. was, was so natural for us. And so uh, one day my mom just decided like, yeah, I would see that they, you know, here or there, but you can't have the kids going back and forth. They already started school. So they need to grow up in one specific area. So <laughs> he, cho he chose Brownsville. And so we actually went to school in Brownsville and, uh, and just continued on. And, and um, we still went back and forth as far as like on weekends, I would spend the, with my grandparents in Matamoros and um, go back to Brownsville for school, uh, either Sunday night or Monday, very early in the morning. And so uh, they wanted me to, us, my, my, my siblings and I, to be connected, always have those roots very strong in us. And so we were always uh, part of Matamoros uh, and the culture of Mexico was really part of who I am. I love Mexico. It's just, uh, my heart just pounds when I hear the mañanitas a la virgen and, and you know, it's, I love, I love El mariachi. El mariachi, all of that is part of who I am. You know, Mexico is part of me, it's in me. And, and so, even though I grew up here, uh, there is a part of me, of course, that made me be who I am today with uh, what I do today because I'm here in the U.S. And so, um, my childhood was uh, one where my dad was amazingly so family oriented and always taking us out either to the beach or to the park or something like that. So he was always so committed to his family. And this is who we were, you know, because of him, you know. Wow. So how many siblings are in the family, Sister Norma? Well, we are five all together, you know, three girls and two boys. And so, uh, yes, that's how we are. We, I'm the second one to the oldest. So my sister is the one who is, uh, we all look up to, you know, even though she looks up to me, you know, because I'm always um, there for her to support her, to help her to be the sense of strength for her that she needs to, to continue being that older sister, you know? Thank you. Now, at one point, so you, you shared with us your childhood, you know, growing up here, going to Mexico back and forth and, you know, having a happy childhood. Where, where in your life, at which point do you decide, you know what, I'm going to go this route in my life and 
you know, be Sister Norma? <laughs> well, you know, it's something that uh, it never crossed my mind that or as I was growing up that uh, I was at all thinking about religious life or becoming a nun. You know, uh, my whole life was geared towards my the gift I had was given by God, the talent to to draw, to paint. You know, and that became my life. And and I went to school actually and, and get my bachelor's in fine arts. And uh, it was all about that. You know, I was gone whole about my profession and going out there. And once I graduated doing all that I could possibly do with my talent, which I knew I had it and I could easily do amazing things with my hands, you know? And so mm-hmm. uh, that was my goal. That was my, my, my thrust in life. And, and so when I graduated, I was hit with this uh, blow of my dad saying, no, Mejita, you're not going anywhere. You know, you're staying home and, uh, and this is all you can do. You know, I said, no, dad, this is not me, you know? And so I kind of like figured I didn't want to lose my family. I knew I, I bumped heads with my dad. And uh, Can I interrupt you? Let me interrupt you. So why? why? Like, why does he say no? Oh, because uh, he's a very, he's a, was a very conservative dad. You know, he felt that a, a woman's role was to stay home until she got married. Until, you know, so <laughs> she couldn't just go off on her own. Una mujer sola, pues no se mira bien. Entonces, we, share, uh, we share similar dads. <laughs> yeah, so I, I had a difficult time with my dad, you know, because of that, you know, and I, I just, I'm a very strong minded, very clear minded as to what I want. And, you know, he wasn't staying home, you know, it was wow. like, so sister, going out there. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt you again. So how about all this time when you're going to school, when you go to college, I mean, you say you receive your bachelor's, he's not saying anything at that point? Well, um, I wasn't listening, you know. Uh, I was I was actually in school. I was in college, and I I was happy to be there. And I stayed at the dorms. And so uh, he knew that I was different from my other sister, mm-hmm. who was more uh, shy, more hold back. And I wasn't. I was like, I want this, and I'm going for it, you know. And so he understood that of me. And and so uh, he tried to. I kind of figure out, you know, how, how to work with my dad, you know, for the most part, because as I was growing up, I knew that if I asked permission, he was definitely going to say no. He said no to everything. So I figured that out and I just figured out, so I'm not going to ask for permission anymore. I'm going to say, dad, this is what I'm doing. And for the most part, he was, he wouldn't object, you know, because I knew what I wanted. And so if he objected, then I, I said, okay, fine. But I, pretty much got my way because wow. I learned how to approach him and figure out wow. how to get what I wanted, you know? And so, so pretty much he let me when I was in college, being at the dorm, you know, but once I graduated, he said, Mejita, you're coming home, you know? Wow. And that was news for me. You know, I didn't expect that. And so I kind of had to refigure what do I do? You know, because mm-hmm. part of me, uh, for me is important. It was family, La Familia, you know, it, we, we have to, I was needed to stay connected with my family. I, you know, just taking off and going off on my own was, was something that was important for me, but not losing my family. I couldn't live without that. And so, so I had to f- kind of figure that out. And what I decided was, oh, go back to school. You know, that seems to be something that my dad seems to be okay with, you know? And uh-huh. so, 
I reapplied to a school in another in Austin and continued my professional career in art by uh, going into uh, architectural design, you know, and so that was my goal. I was ready to do that and just waiting for the right time so that semester could start and everything moves forward. And I stayed home, just kind of, you know, tranquila, be there, not go out so that I didn't cause any waves and my dad all of a sudden decided, you know, you're not even going to Austin, you know, and so I was kind of afraid he might do that, and so I just played it safe, and while I was waiting and waiting and waiting, it, it got to a point where I said, oh, I wish I could just go out, you know, where do I go out that my father would not be upset about, and mm -hmm. so, and jeopardize my plans, you know, so I went ahead and I called a friend of mine, she's a very dear friend of mine, she's still good friends with me, and uh, and my dad liked her, and she was a very church-going uh, uh, person. And uh -huh. so she, I called her, I said, Linda, what are you doing uh, tonight? And she says, um, are you going out? And she, and she says, yes, we're going to a prayer group. And I go, oh, where are you going after the prayer group? And so <laughs> she said, we're going to Pizza Hut. Perfect, come pick me up, you know? And she says, <laughs> Norma, we can't go to the prayer room and then come for you. So you're going to have to come with us to the prayer group. And then mm. we'll go to Pizza Hut. And I said, fine. I'm willing to do that just so I can get out of the house and I can enjoy myself for an enjoy. I love How pizza. old are you? How old are you at this time, uh, Sister Norma? Uh, I must have been like 23, 20, 23, okay. about 23 or something like that. You know, it was, oh, wait a second. Um, maybe younger, you know, because I had just graduated from college. And so I'm um, saying 21, 22, possibly. Mm -hmm, okay? mm -hmm. So that's where I was. And, and so I went to this prayer group. And wow, did things change for me? You know, uh, I was uh, at the prayer group. I, she even told me, Norma, just sit in the back. And before you know it, be quiet and it'll be over. And we'll just go on to Pizza Hut after that, you know. She knew, she knew your plan was just to get out and go to Pizza Hut. That's Never. right. Okay. She knew exactly what I, who I was. And I know. And, and so I, I did. And I, I, during the prayer group, uh, it was crazy for me. It was like, wow, these people. You know how they're just sharing and spilling all their guts out about what they've done wrong in their life you know? and so and how thankful they are to god for and and praising god and singing and clapping their hands and everything and so it was during the charismatic movement and so uh it was a big change of what uh how people expressed their faith and celebrated together and so uh at the end of the prayer group they made a circle with shares and they asked uh, anyone that would like for us to pray for you, sit in the circle and we'll pray for you. And so Linda knew I was struggling with my dad and what was going on. And so she says, Norma, sit in the circle, we'll pray for you. So I did. And when I did, uh, everybody put their hands everywhere on top of us. And, and so I, um, they started praying for us. Most of them were older ladies that were in the prayer group, uh, mostly just my friend and, other, and somebody else was younger, you know, like me. And for the most part, everybody else was some viejitas, you know, de la, de la comunidad. And so we, uh, they prayed for me and uh, um, it was, I felt something amazing. And when they were praying for me, I, something that it's hard to explain in words, you know, I just know it felt good, you know, and uh, I had a headache and it went away, you know? And so um, after that, I, 
I feel this urge, this need to continue to go into the prayer group and just to get to know, wow. know more about God, you know, and, uh, and I just completely immersed myself in everything and anything having to do with God. You know, I wanted to know more. I wanted to feel more about what I was experiencing. It's almost, as I look back, I feel almost as if scales fell off my eyes and I started to see life in a totally different way. You know, I, I felt drawn to God and to know God and to be, let God be part of my life. And so that's where I met the sisters that were also at the prayer group and one of them at least. And it was through an invitation of them to uh, a retreat, uh, a retreat, vocational retreat, where they invite you to think about whether God is calling you for the sisterhood, you know? And so I went, I said, sure, getting out of the house is something I want. And I know my dad's not gonna say no. And, and so, so I did, I went to this retreat and they asked me if I, it was God calling me to be a religious. And I said, I don't know, but if it's anything having to do with how I'm feeling now, I would definitely, definitely consider it and, and wow. think about it. And so I did. And very soon after that, I just let go of everything, all my plans, all my everything, and just joined the religious missionaries of Jesus. How much time did it pass from that Pizza Hut date to when you decide, you know what, God's calling me and there's other plans in my life? I Was think maybe, months, yeah, I might but have been like a year to a year to year and a half or two more or less yes so all this time in between you're thinking you know you know what maybe there's other plans for my life and you no no I was off in school or or did you end up moving to Austin I was continuing wanting to uh go on but I think that changed for me I I uh once I and once I um and things changed for me I decided to stay home and not go off to uh Austin and start working there in Bronzeville and look for a job there in Bronzeville and continue on with what had changed for me. You know, I, I got a job in the school district and, uh, and I start, I started, I stayed there, you know, something just kept me there in Bronzeville, continuing to follow up on the changes that I was experiencing. And so, uh, and, and then the sisters invited me over to, um, mm -hmm. to uh, that retreat completely put me in a very different position in my life. And so that's where everything changed for me. Wow. Now you mentioned, uh, we're gonna talk about a little more adversities later, but you mentioned from that time then, the time from when you decide, you know, you go to the retreat and say, you know what, God has plans for me. I'm gonna dedicate my life to, to God. Before then, what other struggles did you have? Not at all. I was a very happy person. I, at least I thought I was, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I had fun. I enjoyed my life. I enjoyed my friends. I was someone who uh, was happy in doing what I was doing and, and look forward to the things I could do in life. I looked at my future uh, with great hopes of accomplishing a lot of stuff, you know, because I knew I had that drive that desire to do things i was not afraid of life at all so tell us uh, you go to the retreat you have that change in your life and i guess you feel you know what god's speaking to me i'm gonna do this tell us about going back and telling your your family well you know i didn't i actually did not tell them <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know but you know i didn't know the reaction i wasn't sure exactly how to approached them, you know, especially my dad. And so basically made a choice to enter religious life without even telling my family. Wow. And, 
And so I know it was like so that that uh, that Mexican phrase que dices mejor perder pedir perdón que permiso. <laughs> pues I guess. Yeah, it's I know, better but to ask for forgiveness than for permission. <laughs> yes. So the day came when I chose the 21st of March as the day that I was entering religious life. Because it was a day that it was a day that spring starts and I was starting a new life. And so wow. it was what year was this? What year was what year was it? 1978, I believe. Yes. Mm -hmm. 78, 79, I think. That's when I, okay, I so you 79. decide. You decide this is it. 1979. Yes, I decided, and I and so what happened that was that that night I had to tell the sisters, you know, I, I really have to go back home to tell my family what I've done. You know, I said, what do you mean you haven't told them? I said, I have not. <laughs> and so I actually did go back to my house and I told my mom and my dad, listen, I made a decision and I joined the convent. You know. <laughs> And so they were not happy. They thought like, no, 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 no. Eso no, mija. Eso no, no, no. You know, <laughs> you have everything going for you. Why would you do that? How, why would you ruin your life like that? Mm -hmm. We're not even that Catholic. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I said, dad, this is something I know you're wrong because, I mean, this has to do with God, you know. Um, I'm sorry, but I made my mind up and I think this is what God wants me to do. Wow. What did your mom say? She was not happy either. She she cried and my dad cried and and, and so um, they they thought that I was they've lost a daughter, you know, basically. Wow. How about your siblings? Oh my 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 brother my brothers and sisters were like okay, my, especially my sister. She loves me so much. She supports me hundred percent in everything. She was right there with me. She supported any of my decisions and what I wanted to do. I mean, she was definitely es la mi hermana mayor. You know, she mm -hmm. she saw me had a little sister, and uh, she always supported everything that Norma wanted. She calls me Nona because my little sister calls me Nona, and so she said, "Nona, yeah, you take care of." That's wow. all. That. Wow, support family. Wow. Can you explain later years as you're going in there? You make the decision. You go into this and then gradually did they come and say, you know why you did the right thing? Explain, explain. Or they still yes, against well, it. When my, you know, you know, as as I entered religious life and I joined the missionaries of Jesus, the sisters were so involved with the immigrants because back then in the 80s, uh, the Border Patrol would call Sister Juliana our, our superior and at day or night to say, uh, we have a family, we have a mother with a, with a baby. Can you take them? Because actually back then there was no detention facility for, for women and, and, and children. It was just for adult men. And so uh, she would always get a call from the border patrol if, they, if we, the, the missionaries said Jesus could take this family. And so she always said yes. And so we always had somebody in our house, in our convent, part of who we, the community life that we had was uh, a mother with a baby and always somebody that we were helping and eventually ended up going somewhere in the United States. And so in the meantime, they spent a week or two or whatever time they needed with us. And so uh, my, my immediate uh, uh, presence of, of immigrants was there right from the start when I entered religious life. And so it became part of who I was, you know, immigrants were part of 
us just caring for them and helping them and, and making sure they're okay, they're safe and they get what they need. And so this was what happened. And so uh, it became very uh, in the news, the fact that I was part of that because uh, we had a, a shelter called Casa Oscar Romero that our bishop asked the missionaries of Jesus to oversee and back in the 80s. And that shelter had hundreds and hundreds of people arriving every day. And so we were in the news all the time, you know, how it became controversial since then because uh, some in the community were saying, well, no, they're these illegal aliens should not be here. They We should throw them back, at, you know, and things like that. And so it, we, we were in the news all the time. And so my dad saw that and, and people in the community would go up to my dad and say, is your daughter is it's amazing you have an amazing daughter you know it was not until then that he started to see who i was you know mm. the, the the impact that you were having right the impact that you were having in the community well at one point so what time not what time but where in your life or how old are you when you you start being you know at this time when you're already in this convent when you're already doing this thing how old were you Oh, uh, I think I must have been like 25 years old. I had just 25. gone back from, from school. I had gone get, getting my master's in theology and I was back in school. And so, I mean, I had just come back and I was working there and, and in this refugee home that, and also with the, with the diocese. So I was very involved with the church in different ways. And, but I was living there at the shelter where we had the immigrants. And so, uh, that's what my life be became once I came Amazing. back and started working in, in, the, in our church here in the valley. Wow. So you get your normal childhood, you know, you have this normal, for the most part, normal um, traditional home uh, in the valley where you go to Mexico, come back and people usually travel all the time, living with, you know, the bilingual. And then you have a finance degree. And then later, you did you say you, you obtained a master's in theology? Yes, yes. I, I went to school and got my master's. Uh, part of my formation, the sister sent me to St. Mary's University in San Antonio to get a, a master's in theology. And so that was part of the formation I was receiving as, as being a religious sister was to go to school and get all of that understanding. How cool. Of church. Mm -hmm. How cool. Amazing. I myself have an associate's in theology. I always thought maybe I'll contemplate and go back a little bit. But wow, that's amazing. Now, at this point, you said then your dad starts seeing, you know, start hearing from community, you know, this is what she's doing, this is the impact she's having. At what point, Sister Norma, was there a point in your life where you say, wow, this is the best decision I ever made? At where? Where <laughs> in your life? You know, because I mean, we do things, everybody does things, you go this, but then maybe there's a little doubt here and there. But was there one point that you say, you know what? Wow, Norma, this was the best decision you made, or this is your calling this is your passion where wearing your life you know um actually right from the start when i entered religious life i wasn't sure exactly whether my decision was the right decision to make so so people would say norma no uh may. there were those that would support me those that were not supporting me for my decision to enter religious life thank you thank you and that's where i want to go because a lot of people is like i mean they're listening and they're like well, how do I know I want to be an engineer? How do I know I want to be a teacher? And I want to hear from you saying, you know what? Hey, we all doubt. We all doubt. So thank you. 
I made up my mind right from the start, you know, and this is who I am, you know, how I uh, proceed to do what I do, you know, and make decisions in my life uh, right from the start when I decide to one thing or another. I can get in touch with the, the inner sense of who I am and just at least to the degree that I understand myself at that moment. And, and then I make a decision. And then with all that I was hearing from friends and families, good or bad, you know, I, I had to come to a decision. I could not just continue with a, with a, a uh, I wasn't sure, you know? And so mm -hmm. I made up my mind after listening to everyone and, and says, I made a choice to be here. And so therefore I'm going to fully a hundred percent immerse me on mm -hmm. that choice. I'm mm -hmm. going to allow myself to experience and to be present and push outside all doubts and any, any people tell, trying to tell me or convince me either way. And so that was my choice. I says, I'm just going to fully let happen what needs to happen. And if after a year, I see myself still at, at I can reevaluate myself and see where I'm at and see what, what it is that, where am I, if I'm in the right place or not. And so that's what I did right from the start. I allow myself to just live fully where I was. And so that allowed me to truly, really uh, um, benefit Enjoy. from yeah. everything that, that life had to offer me there where I was with the sisters. And I had amazing sisters, uh, religious sisters that were part of my life right from the start. I had uh, Sister Juliana Garcia, who is, was my mentor and amazing woman with great, great strength and power of who she was with as a woman in life. Uh, and, and she was truly committed to the church, to Jesus. And to so she was able to guide me and to help me fully understand uh, everything about God in my life and, 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 mm -hmm. and teach me. She was my teacher. She was, in many ways, she taught me so many things about uh, my, my faith, you know. And then there was Sister Carmen Rodriguez, who was also from Spain, as, as was Juliana. And this woman was so passionate about everything she did. You know, she loved cooking. She loved people. And she showed it in how she dedicated herself to them, you know. And so... I had these two women in my life that were true anchors of, of faith and life. And so uh, I was blessed uh, as I started, even though the community is very small and they, and I was the only novice, the only young girl who had decided, many of them had been kind of like thinking about it, but never made that decision. You know, I yeah. just, I, they asked me and I entered, you know, I didn't think too much about it and say, yeah, why not? Let's do it. You know, and so they were so happy that I was part of their community. And, and so uh, this is how it all got started. And, and so I, I always had that understanding, that feeling that I was where I needed to be, you know, and uh, that's how it went forward. I was always present to whatever I had before me to try to be, be part of that who that I had before me, you know, uh, that's how I was, you know, and uh, my struggles, of course, are like more emotional and relational more than more than it was, uh, whether I should be there or not there. You know, uh, I was happy of the decision I made and uh, and the things that I was learning and I was becoming, you know, and uh, 
uh, Juliana was the kind of person, this, this uh, religious sister, she, she always believed in me. She always encouraged me. She always uh, helped me feel good about who I was, not to be hard on myself and, and, how, to, and, and how to trust God, how to turn wow. to God always, you know? And so uh, I think because of her, I am who I am today, you know? Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Sister Norma. I hear your passion in your voice. Because you had those great role models. You had those. What would you tell those people listening, Sister Norma, that don't have that Juliana in their lives? That they don't have that support, those mentors that you had? You know, we could, they could say, well, no, pues es que Sister Norma, mira, tenía a Juliana, tenía esta, tenía esa. That's why she's so amazing. Because she had the support. What can you tell to those that unfortunately don't have those? Yeah, I, I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that you as a person have so much to offer the world to others. Trust yourself, believe in yourself, get a hold of who you truly are. Don't try to follow others, just try to be yourself. Try to discover that you, that God is, is calling you to be, you know? And, and really uh, let those persons in your life that, that support that be your mentors, you know? They're there in your life as well, you know? Um, listen to them and listen to the ones that are really supporting you as a person and, and helping you become the person you are called to be. Thank you. How about, I'm going to go back to questions with with your mom and dad. And it's just, you said they were kind of like, no, 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 don't do this, mijita. But you said later that you're, once you were doing stuff in the community that your dad said, you know what, he realized that you were doing an impact. Where but was it a first year, second year? Where in, in your this in this career, if you if I could call it that, where in this Christian walk or when you decide to be a nun, where in there do your parents come forward and say, Norma, thank you, Norma, you get a great decision, Norma, you, you know we believe in you, Norma, thank you because we discouraged you. I know because my mom was like that. At one point she's like, Mijita, pa que estudias, Mijita, no, you're gonna get married. You let the husband support you, and I was like, no. So later. You know, 15 years later, she goes, I'm so glad, mijita, that you didn't listen to me. I'm so glad that you went to school. I'm so glad that you had a career. But it took many years to her to realize that, hey, even though we're female in the Hispanic culture, we need to get educated. So where in your life, Norm, Sister Norma, did, did that come? Uh, I would say that uh, it was around that time that we were in Casa Oscar Romero, and I was a part of that. And uh, and it, I would say it could have been right after I came back from formation and, and was uh, there, uh, what is it, about five years or so, more or less, maybe less, you know, that it's hard to, to pinpoint exactly when, but it was uh, very soon in my, in my life as a religious, especially when it became so public of the things that I was doing together with the missionaries of Jesus and I was present and, um, and I got arrested, and so everybody was uh, knew who Sister Norma was, you know. And uh -huh, so, uh -huh. yeah, so it was around that time that it um, obviously um, the whole community knew Sister Norma, and so uh -huh. um, they made my dad see who I was, you know. Yeah, I told my dad I'm interviewing Sister Norma. He was like, "Wow." You know, because he, he, he doesn't know you personally, but he knows all the things that you do in the community. Can you share a bit of that time that you were arrested with the, our audience? 
Most definitely. It's a very turning point in my life. It was a very decisive moment. I was very young. I must have been 25 and around that age. I was in Casa Romero with Sister Juliana. I was uh, there because, uh, of course, we were getting thousands of immigrants from Central America, mostly Salvador. There was during the time where El Salvador was in war and the United States was supporting that. And so we were receiving the full families into Casa Romero had just crossed the river. They were in Casa Romero when they arrived, they were all wet and muddy and, and, and really terrible conditions. And, and so we would welcome them in and offer them a place where they could uh, rest and get cleaned up and eat and wait. And, and uh, we saw the atrocities that the war in Central America was causing these families and the tortures that they were experiencing. You know, they would show their hands and, for example, this young man didn't have a single nail in his hands because he was tortured. That was one of the tortures that I personally uh, was impacted by, that young, a young man sharing his story of how things were back home. And, and so one day we were going for, for lunch, Sister Juliana and I, and she says, Norma, I'm going to stop at the congressman's office right now. There's a group protesting and asking the congressman, why is he voting uh, in favor of sending $1 million to this, to support these wars, you know, and in arms. And so I think we should go show our support because these people are defending the people we are helping, you know? And mm -hmm. so, so we stopped at the Congressman office at noon and this, this group of people were going to protest and stay, do civil disobedience. I didn't realize what that meant, but that they were going to stay. So it was a normal day. You're going to go for lunch, nothing. And then it happened. Right. And so we, we ended up there at, at, at the congressman's office just to show our support. And the police were asked to come in and arrest everybody at that time that we just arrived, you know? Wow. And so <laughs> we, we were like, oh, wow. You know, like, uh, <laughs> And they started to arrest everybody and, and just drag them out of there. And so Juliana turns back and looks at me and she says, Norma, when we say we believe something and we simply just run away when things get tough, like right now, you know, that they're arresting everybody. We say we support you and we believe what you're doing. And yet we run away because uh, we're afraid of what's going to happen, you know? And so then uh, we don't stand for anything. We, we are nobody. And so... I don't know that we both can get arrested because who's going to run the house? Who's going to take care of the families we have at Casa Romero? So you decide who stays. So I look at her, you know, she's probably in her 40s, 50s, you know, and I'm younger. And so I said, I guess it's me, right? And she said, okay. <laughs> and she just says, okay, bye. You know, she takes off, you know? And I said, oh my God, you know, and I'm there, you know, I'm just there. Go all the way to so the you were going to represent. I was, I just moved all the way to the back as people were being arrested and pulled out and they were not cooperating. So they were dragged out of there. And I go, oh my goodness, you know? And so, um, I, I, I had to face up with myself and understand what I was doing. Why was I there? Why did I say, yes, I'm going to stay here. You know, it was a moment that is very decisive moment for me, Norma. In, in understanding who I was, why did I stand up for what I was doing? You know, what did that matter to me? Kind of like really put together the fact that I was called 
to stand up for life. A ver si es cierto, right? Like to see if it's actually true, what you mm -hmm. stand for. Wow. That's true. That's what happened. And uh, I got arrested. Wow. So what happens later? You, you, they let you guys go and then you go back and tell your story and... <laughs> well, you know, what happened that everybody just played no contest, which means that that means that uh, you're not guilty, you're not, you're, you're not innocent, you don't plead guilty or innocent, you let the judge decide. So what they do is they let you go. But mm. I said, I'm innocent. <laughs> so, so I got, I had to stay and get go to go to trial, you know, and so that's mm. what happened to me. I went to trial and they found me guilty, you know. Uh, mostly, mostly because it was, uh, I learned so much from that experience. I was um, basically, it was, uh, I had every right to be there, but yet they made it look like uh, I didn't, you know, and I was in a public building, every right to be there asking for a congressman to tell us why was he in favor of sending this money. The thing is that, that, uh, that I, I did get uh, five years of, of, because I was uh, guilty. And so um, what happened is that it was appealed and immediately after it was appealed, it was dismissed. So I didn't end up going anywhere. I was just simply released, you know, uh, because it was appealed and there was so many uh, reasons for the, dismissing it. And so that was the outcome. What? The sisterhood, when they, they find you guilty and this is going on, what were they saying? What were they telling you? Well, they were very supportive. They were supporting me. Uh, I'm sure they would visit me if I was going to end up in prison, you know. <laughs> but it, the most important thing is that the, the bishop then it was Bishop uh, Fitzpatrick. He, uh, he actually was there every single day when we went to court, showing his support. Um, showing that the church was behind me and was supporting me and was there for me. It was amazing the support I received from, from so many people, you know, and so, but most interestingly, I, I, I must share that soon after that, uh, I, of course, I was released and I, uh, I didn't have to go to prison. And, but but uh, a, a professor from the university called me and she said, he said, sister, would you be open to speak to my class? I have a, I teach a, a political science class and I would like for you to, to come and speak your experience to us. And so I did. And then he tells me, he tells me that, he said, you know, the, the prosecutor, the young lady who actually uh, found you guilty, you know, who was prosecuting you and, and uh, defending the case against me. And so she was my student. And she came crying to me to tell me how ashamed she was because she said, you know, Sister Norma stood up for what she believed. And I did it. Wow. I allowed myself to be controlled by the system because they told me, if you don't find her guilty, we're going to fire you. And so uh, I, she was so ashamed of herself. You know? And so he said, I thought you would want to know that. Wow. And see, my next question to you, Sister Roma, and I'm all here, teary eye, because the whole purpose of this podcast is to share your story, share people's stories of adversities, share people's stories of si se puede, share people's stories of 
this is what worked for me. This is what I believe. This is my passion. This is what I went through. And you can do it too. Just to, again, encourage others to follow their passion. Encourage others to say, you know what? Sister Norma even went to jail. However, you know what? She she still what she believes in. She does this. She does that. And it doesn't matter how much adversities you have. You can still move forward and be successful. So my next question was, how, how do you define success? Success. <laughs> You're talking about uh, almost as a, a mind from the U.S., you know, uh, we find, define success. To me, success has to do with God, really, truly encountering myself in the presence of God, a God that is merciful and caring towards me. I, I mean, I see his response to who I am in a very loving, caring way that he always opens doors, always guides me to know what to do. And, and so for me, that's success. You know, uh, all this that you see of me, who I am today of reaching, uh, becoming, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the 100th most influential people in the world. And, you know, recognitions like that, for me, that is not success. It's it's a, a response to who I am today, who God, who I am today in my life with God. That is for me most important. And so I feel that those are outcomes of who I am, of how I feel so uh, happy with God in my life and what he has allow me to be for him and so that's what's most important for me and everything else and everything that I do and recognitions that I'm getting it's simply an opportunity for me to to bring into awareness the the lives of the people that I'm reaching out to and that are important to be noticed you know that is what I want and and so I'm glad that I can be used uh, as an instrument by God to to help his people and the people most most hurting in our communities in our world today. Thank you. I love your answer. I love your answer. I know. Wow. I mean, just be able to say that openly. You know what? It's because of him that I my successes exist. Thank you so much. Thank you because there's been other people that I've interviewed and even off the air, they tell me, oh, can I say God? You know, I'm like, yeah, if, if that's what's that helped, you know, overcome your adversities. Thank you for that. I know a lot of people ask, you know, how do you do it? I'm like, I point upstairs. I'm like, it's through him that it's through him that we can do everything. And it's uh, successes come through him. And thank you for sharing that passion. Thank you for saying that, you know, it's, it's him that, that, that is most important and that you're able to do what you do in the community because of your passion and then wanting to help others and wanting to be an impact to to those most in need. Thank you so much. What life advice can you provide to everyone listening? I mean, I don't want to say specific age group or a specific group because I've gotten, I hear different people listen to, to this podcast, but what can you share with us? You know, I truly believe that, that we, on the goodness of, of human nature, who we God has created us to be, I, I just want the world to know, and you who, are, who is listening, to know that the most important thing in life is you. 
and the God that is there with you, wanting you to live out that loving presence to everyone, starting with yourself, with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your community. Allow yourself to share the best you are. That's all we need to do. Just share the best you are in the struggles that you're going through or the difficulties that you have. That will be transformed just by the attitude and the response that you have towards life. Allow yourself to be, just bring out the best so that it multiplies. It, it really does. You know, you open the circle of how much you are and who you are by doing the good that you can do. Uh, anything else, you may, we must trash that. We must put it aside because it just pulls us down. It only destroys us and destroys everything around us. Uh, believe in yourself and believe in that presence, loving presence that is wanting to make you become an amazing person. Thank you. Thank you. I needed to hear that too. So thank you so much. I know the Bible says that God has way more to give us than we can ask for. And it's true. If we allow ourselves to do more and just do it, I mentioned earlier in the interview that you decided you were going to give it 100%. You decided that you were just going to submerge yourself in that and, and do it. And now we can see that you reap what you sowed, right? We can see the, 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 the fruit of your labor. So thank you. Thank you. I hope that everybody listening can um, really take that advice to heart. Wow. I'm going to ask you one, one more thing, Sister Norma. If you had Sister Norma, 18-year-old Norma, Norma Pimentel in front of you, ¿qué le diría? what would you tell her? What would I tell myself yeah. before I started doing what I'm doing? I would say, stay focused in the only one thing that matters, and that is Jesus. Don't lose sight of that, and you'll be great. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sister Norma. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for taking the time to share your stories, share the family, share the, all those experiences and how you got to be named one of a hundred top influential people and how you talked about God being in your life and how he has impacted you and how he has influenced everything that you do. Thank, Thank you. you. I appreciate the invitation to speak and to be present with you and uh, to know that the most important thing we can do is do our best to be our best, to do for others what we can. Thank you so much. Thank you.